Welcome to Andy Staples on three. It is a pick show. We have a packed, packed show for you. Jeff Schwartz, former Oregon offensive lineman, longtime NFL offensive lineman, is our special guest picker today. We're going to have a lot of fun with him. But first, we got to talk about a happy day if you are a football staffer at a at an FBS school. A sad day if you were someone who enjoys following recruiting on the internet. The Football Bowl Subdivision Oversight Committee has introduced legislation to potentially ban recruiting photo shoots. You know what we're talking about. When, when the player, maybe mom, maybe dad too, get into uniform and they take a big photo, they do a big photo shoot, take all these photos. Sometimes, well, they don't necessarily have animals anymore. They did have animals. Remember Keely Ringo's mom had the snake that belonged to one of the Georgia staffers and Keely didn't really want to hold the snake, but his mom didn't care. Uh, Stephon Johnson, who, who signed with Oklahoma State, now plays for Houston. He had, uh, they had a horse for him at his recruiting photo shoot. Uh, I believe the NCAA has already banned the live animals there, but the shoots themselves were a lot of fun, but apparently a lot of work for the recruiting staffers and the creatives and the folks in the football offices, because basically anybody who shows up for an unofficial visit, you have to do a photo shoot because everybody else does a photo shoot. So they, instead of just saying, you know what, this thing we don't want to do, we won't do it. They want to make a rule because that's how college sports operates. It can't be this thing that we don't like that we don't want to do. We're just not going to do it's We're going to make sure you can't do it either. So it's just a shame because I do enjoy watching 50-something dads try to squeeze into the spandex that is today's college football uniform. It's it's very sad. Sad day. Although it may never pass. Who knows? The, the legislative process has been bogged down before. But this means we're not going to get any more Brian Kelly dancing. And frankly, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm going to miss it, I think. Oh, well. Say lobby. Somebody else will come up with something else. It will catch on like wildfire, and they'll make a rule banning that too. Welcome to college football. All right, on to the picks. And of course, the lines and the totals brought to you by FanDuel, our official sportsbook sponsor. FanDuel is the number one sportsbook in America. Go to fanduel.com slash staples and your first $5 bet guaranteed $200 in bonus bets at FanDuel. You download that app. They got all the sports, everything you could want in game, player props, you name it. They're there at FanDuel. And the college football lines, well, they, they're pretty enticing this week. And as you will see, it feels like the FanDuel folks have got it down now because these teams have finally given us a lot of data. We, we've got almost half a season worth. And these lines, you will see, I am struggling. With a lot of them, and I, I know you've, you've seen my picks. I struggle with a lot of them anyway. But it feels like as they get more information, it feels tougher and tougher as we go. So FanDuel.com slash Staples. Download that app. $200 in bonus bets with your first $5 bet. Do it now. Follow along. You can fade me if you want. It will not hurt my feelings. I, I've seen my record. Of late, so you can fade me if you want, but you'll see as we go through the picks with Jeff Schwartz. There's some struggling going on here. They're setting those lines really, really well. FanDuel.com/staples 
On to the picks. Joined now by former Big Ten legend Jeff Schwartz. That's right. He played at Oregon. <laughs> is, it, is it ever going to not sound weird? I was just talking about this on, on Pacto Radio earlier today about the Big Ten and the, and the we we're talking about Utah's future in the Big 12. And it just sucks. All of it sucks. Um, none of it excites me for college football. It's not why we like college football. And, you know, I, I was texting with a buddy. I, I, I know you know Dan Rubenstein on mm-hmm. Saturday when Oregon was, was playing Oregon Stanford grad. and was yep. saying, like, who's going to be our Stanford, right? Who's going to be the, the team of the Big Ten that no matter what the circumstances are, we struggle with on the road, right? It matter. Stanford could be Jim Harbaugh good, David Shaw good, and we're going to struggle. Or they could be what they are now, and we're going to struggle. Now, we end up winning that game pretty handily, but the first half was a struggle. Who's going to be our – my guess is going to be – like Northwestern. Be like, well, Northwestern's too much of a parallel with Stanford. To me, it's like Purdue because Purdue wins these big games at home, right? Like they're the team yeah, yeah. that like Stanford wins these games. Like they beat Oregon way too much on their home turf. So to me, it's like Purdue. I thought maybe Northwestern, someone suggested Iowa, but they're too good on defense to sort of be like a Stanford. Yeah, so, Iowa's too good in general. Yes. Like, and, and, and if they ever do get offense figured out, they're just going to be a good team. So that yeah, doesn't so count. I think Purdue, Purdue, Illinois, maybe uh, Northwestern's like, too bad if that makes sense like stanford has had years where they've been really really good yeah well we'll we'll see i mean i I do i am interested in how all of that shakes out and how oregon and washington and usc force some changes for like iowa like iowa can't play the way they play because they don't have guaranteed games against illinois and nebraska and and like those guys every year now they're going to play nebraska every year but they are going to have to play a lot more dynamic offenses than they're used to playing. It's going to re- require a philosophical change. Well, hasn't nothing's changed now? I mean, what, what are they going to really decide? Like all of a sudden, we're going. I mean, there's a chance that they they make it back to the conference championship game this year, right? Like, what, what are they oh, going to yeah. what are they going to change when they're playing in, in in Indianapolis? They're going to lose. I was at the game. They lost what forty two to three to Michigan or forty five three. I mean. They're going to tell themselves that they're right there. They're right there. A few breaks go our way, and now their quarterbacks hurt, so maybe things are a little different. But they're going to. There's a chance that they they end up winning the West and playing in the in the Big Ten championship game again. And their their goal is averaging 25 points a game on offense. Andy, that's it. It's 25, right? All these. <laughs> they're, not, they're not hitting it either. They're 14 points behind the pace right now like, in the drive for 325. Oh my god, it's so bad. It's so bad. So. Um, it's so embarrassing. I, they're never going to change unless unless they get new coaching staff. All right, let, let's let's get into these picks. We will do the Iowa total because we always pick the Iowa total. I usually pick under, but they went over last week, so we'll we'll see what happens. Okay. But let's let's start in that noon Eastern window. A game that you and I, before we started recording, had both mentioned as this is very intriguing. Yeah, LSU going to Missouri. Missouri's getting six and a half points and the total is 63 and a half. Now I will issue a disclaimer to, to those of you watching and listening. We are recording this a little bit earlier than usual because I've got to go to my kid's football game on Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> so these lines may have changed slightly since, since we did this, the show, but yes, if I'm looking at this right now, Jeff, I'm taking the over for sure yeah. because I've watched LSU play pass defense. And I've seen Brady Cook and Luther Burden. And I'm feeling pretty good about Missouri. Yeah. Um, and and another reminder, because I, I do 
dabble in the wagering uh, community very often for some of my jobs. You don't have to bet in every game. Like these are we're, we're picking the big games every week. You know, I might yep. we don't we might I might have an opinion on all of these, but I do have an opinion on on Missouri here getting six and a half points. I, I don't really understand um, how LSU is getting stops in this game, right? Like I get a home team getting six and a half points. I, I, I'm going to pull this up right now. LSU's defense right now is 121st in points per drive on defense. 121st. Their explosive play rate is 127th on defense. And I get an offense in Missouri that can score with wide receivers. Yeah, the, the, the total might hit. I'm with you on the over. But, I mean, a home team in a conference game where, you know, everyone looks at LSU, I think, still is a, a big dog program, oh, yeah. right? And, and so they're going to be fired up. They're going to be ready. They're going to want to win the game, which is important, I think, you know, the way you come out and start the game. But also, LSU cannot stop a nosebleed. They can't do that. And so I just don't really think that we're going to have a situation where this game falls with LSU winning by seven points or more. Yeah, and I the over, I say, because I don't know that Missouri is going to be able to stop LSU very consistently either because uh, Jake Correct. Daniels and, and Malik Neighbors and and – you know, Brian Thomas, like those guys are awesome. Really we saw them against Ole Miss yeah. last week. So I just, I, I think this is going to be a very high scoring game. And that's a lot of points to be given Missouri. And I think you're right. LSU is still one of those programs when they stroll into your stadium, everybody gets up for them. Yes, absolutely. I, I, and I think that that's a, that plays a role in some of these games. We've also seen this year that, um, you know, ranked opponents have just, not played as well on the road outside of, of really Nebraska, just, I mean, of Michigan murdering Nebraska. Um, you know, they've started slower. They haven't played as well. It's just hard to play road games, man. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that, you know, they, obviously we, we've seen road teams win, but it's just, it's just hard. It's hard to, it, it's hard to be on the road. It's hard to play these road games. And um, I think that's also a factor in, in how you look at some of these games is like being you know on the road. I think this is, you know, they lost to Old Miss last weekend, I should say on the road. It's just playing on the road's hard, man. It just yeah. is, and I think that that plays a role in wanting me to take on, on taking the points here. Well, yeah, and and people, you can you can say, oh, Missouri doesn't have the same atmosphere as say a, a Tennessee mm. or a Florida, but I've been to Missouri when they've been really good, when they had Chase Daniel, when they could beat teams that were ranked in the top ten. Like that place gets loud. That place gets exciting. It's not like yeah. the, it's it's going to be sleepy the whole time. They they will get loud and. Ole Miss is not a place that's a, an especially terrifying road environment. But as you just mentioned, LSU went up there and lost last week. So yeah. it's you're exactly right. The, the, the home road thing matters. I mean, you tell me, you played in the NFL for a long time. It feels like it matters a lot more in college. Than Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, there's a couple reasons for that. One is that, you know, college football is played with 18 to 22-year-olds, right? They're highly emotional. Um, you know, there's a lot of look ahead factor in college football where you look at the schedule and you say, okay, look, you know, I'm circling these wins. I mean, I'm sure you remember that, right? You, you get the schedule yeah. you're like, okay, I'm winning these eight games. Right. And you know, the, the game in between is, you know, two big opponents, the one we're kind of down for. And that's why it's, it's emotions. And plus college football fans are louder. The, the stadiums are louder. There's more people in the stadiums. The biggest NFL stadium I think is, I think Dallas can can do that with a hundred thousand. Um, yeah, they want to fill it up. Room, yeah, um, and then I think you know, what's, weirdly enough, FedEx Field in DC seats like ninety two thousand. It's a huge stadium. Wow. Well, you know, you're yeah, it's it's huge. I don't think people realize that. Uh, at least the way it was, it used to be configured. Um, you know, but you you, you know, you're getting seventy thousand, sixty five thousand. 
Um, you're not getting as many, and the fans are not as passionate. The stadiums aren't really built at times for, uh, you know, for like, um, you know, for noise and for loudness. And so it's a different crowd. And, you know, the more you play in the noise, the more you get used to playing in the noise. And so as you, the older, you, you know, the more snaps you get, the less you're concerned about. And look, this is, sounds silly, but you have more time, Andy, to work on things like the cadence, yeah. like snap counts, like, like, like hand signaling, um, all these things that you just don't have enough time to do in college football. I also think it really helps the NFL, the radio communications between the quarterback and coach. So you're not really worried about looking over for hand signals and then you screaming things out to your offense. You just, you're in the huddle, you, you hear the play, you give like, there's more, there's more things in, that help in NFL to make that transition a little bit easier playing on the road. Yeah. that You heard that college people. Let's get the radio in the helmet. I think I'm we should do that. I, I, it, it absolutely should be done. It, it's kind of, Silly, it, it hasn't been done yet. Um, it, I don't, I don't get why not. Everyone has the money to do that now. I, I think that was the holdup, right? Is like there wasn't enough money for for that to happen. It's time. It's time, Andy. It's yeah, time I'm tired happen. of seeing like the three big sheet panels behind the three guys to give them yes. a background to signal against, and I, we don't need to see that anymore. That's no, I'm with you. <laughs> it's over. All right, let, let us move to another game of that noon Eastern window. Maryland at Ohio State. Ohio State is a 19 and a half point favorite at home. I this is a tough one for me, Jeff, because that Maryland offense has been very good this year, but you look at who it's been against. And that is where I, I run into a problem yeah. because I, I I look, I love that what Talia Tongavailo has been able to do. I love that they spread the ball around, but against this Ohio State defense, yeah. I don't know that that matters. This feels like a game that gets out of hand by the final score, right? Um, mm -hmm. Where you have, a, as you mentioned, a Maryland team that's played uh, uh, Charlotte, uh, Virginia, Michigan State, and Indiana. I think combined, looking right now, combined they have uh, five wins. Five wins. Yeah. Um, and they, they played an FCS team at the start of the season. Um, Ohio State's not that team. And while Ohio State did struggle on offense uh, against Notre Dame, Notre Dame is a, a, obviously a legit defense, but they had a week to sort of, get right right to, to, to kind of refocus uh to to use that bye week to, to i would imagine put some new things in get guys healthy and it just feels like over 60 minutes um ohio state is better nearly everywhere andy and i'm not sure i'd lay the night was it 19 and a half you said 19 and a half 19 and yeah. a half but i could certainly see this game being you know in the like 48 28 type of range by the mm -hmm. time it's over, which I know is 20 points. So you would take a little house that would barely cover there, but um, it does feel like it's the game that's longer. The talent level Ohio state takes over. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, people keep bringing up that 2018 game. That was at Maryland. There was yeah. a lot going on with Ohio state. That was the week before the Michigan game. Like all of those things matter too. This is not that situation. Now this is the week before the Penn state game. Actually, no, it's not. I'm sorry. It's two weeks before the Penn State game. So it's yeah. not – you don't even have the look-ahead factor there for Ohio right. State. So it, it is It is really – I mean, I, I just think you're right. Coming off a of bye week, the talent level – and it may be close at first. It may be a close yeah. first half. I think that's fair to say. I'm going to take Ohio State, though, to cover. And it's one of those – this was – last week I took USC to cover. And was was sure, like once they got out to that big lead, I was like, "All right, they they are rolling here. This is going to be great." And then Colorado starts to come back because that's the part you don't really account for. 
is when a team gets comfortable with a big lead. Yeah. Can they keep the the hammer down? I think Ohio State probably can. It's not USC's defense, which we will talk about a little bit later. Correct. Um, <laughs> I uh, so I put out every Friday by Pac-12 wagers, and I'm very mm-hmm. good at them. And I'm 12 and 10 so far this year, so I've had a good start. Um, I'm 0 and 3 betting on USC games in any direction, and um, I'm just not going to do it anymore. Like I like I'm just I'm I had over 40 and a half for the Colorado game. They scored seven touchdowns, missed extra point. Don't make that. Um, I had, uh, I had, uh, they played Stanford early in the season, right? And I had the total was 69 points. I had the over and it was 49-3 at halftime. I'm pretty much well home. Nope. 56-10, final score. Um, so I'm, and I lost one other one. I'm just done. Like I'm much, I, I, I took them off the bite Arizona State first half. Uh, and no, that didn't happen. So I'm done with USC. We'll get to Let me, later. let me give you. Let me give you another Pac-12 one that, that you might feel better about then. We're, we're, let's go to Washington State at UCLA. Yeah. Two teams coming off a of bye week. Washington State got to watch Oregon State beat Utah. The team that they had just beaten goes and beats Utah. Uh, UCLA coming off their loss to Utah where they yeah. could not do anything offensively. UCLA is a three-point, three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Oh, yeah. And you sound very confident about that. I'm I'm wondering why. Uh, well, I my my actual my best bet for this week that I'll put out on my, one of my other podcasts I do is going to be UCLA first half in this game. Um, and let me let me tell you why. I mentioned the road stuff, right? And I, I, I looked this up today. So uh, there's been six times so far this season a ranked team ranked at the time. So I'm using Colorado. I'm using you know I think the only team and the Bruins by the way who went to Utah ranked team on the road in their first conference game. Okay, zero of the six of them have covered the first half. Zero of six. It's hard to play on the road. Washington State has played Wisconsin at home in the biggest non-conference game they've had in 25 years. They have not had a a Power 5 non-conference game at home since 1998. Since 1998. Then they follow that up. They play Northern Colorado. They blow them out. And then Oregon State comes to town. They blow out the Beavers. Everyone's talking about them. Everyone's loving them. They're in this weird fight with, with college game day. Um, well, it's not really weird. I think college game day is being super immature about it, but nonetheless. Um, and now they get to go on the road and play in the Rose Bowl. Talk about a letdown, an emotional letdown. Like this is like the exact opposite of all the games they played so far at home. Um, you're going to the Rose Bowl. It's going to be quiet. You got to bring your own energy. You're playing on Pac-12 Network. It's a middle of the day game. It's 12 Pacific, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of like a blah spot. Bruins off a terrible loss to Utah where they didn't play well offensively. UCLA's front seven, though, Andy, is really freaking good. Like, I think people are not talking about that enough because so much focus is on the other Pac-12 schools. The Bruins have a really, really good defense. They kind of solidified themselves with a bunch of returning guys there. They obviously had to change their defensive coordinator, unfortunately. They're really good on defense. And so I think this is a spot where, kind of a classic spot where a team is so soaring so high right now in Washington State, and now they're playing in a completely different environment against a team that just had a terrible football game. Um, and so I, I think the Bruins, I like the Bruins' first half. I think they win the game as well. Um, that's just sort of the way the conference goes. Um, and we've seen so far that, again, the, the, the first road game for a lot of these ranked teams, again, I'll go back. It's, you know, USC didn't cover against Arizona State. Washington didn't cover last weekend. Oregon didn't cover at Stanford in the first half. Utah didn't cover at Oregon State. The Bruins didn't cover at Utah. 
and uh, Colorado didn't cover Oregon. Like it, yeah. it's it's hard to play that first road game. It, 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 I, keep t- I keep bringing this up, so that's why I lean to the Bruins here a tiny bit. I will say though that the, the, there is a quarterback advantage here with Cam Ward the way he's playing and, and Dante Moore, but I think Moore can't play any worse than he did against Utah. That's a tough environment to be a freshman yeah. quarterback at Rice Eccles. So I think the Bruins bounce back in a, in a big way here. I st- you know I have a hard time at this point betting against Washington State just because. I look at the way Jake Dickert has has kind of galvanized that team. Great job. It, the emotion that you because you, you're right. This is a bring your own emotion, bring your own energy kind of game yeah. because the Rose Bowl is kind of sleepy for UCLA games. It's a, it's a huge sprawling stadium. They just don't get that many people in there. It it can't get that loud from from an acoustic standpoint. But somehow I think the Cougars will be ready for this and and. You know, I think they're in a situation where if the teams are equal talent, I'm probably taking Washington State every time. But, well, when but, they have to go play Oregon or they have to play yeah. a team that is superior talent, that's a different story. But I feel like these these two teams are pretty close. You, you are right about UCLA's defensive front. And, and we saw that against Utah because they wouldn't let Utah do anything. Remember, yeah. half of Utah's points were a pick six. So yeah. this is... This is gonna be a good game. I will I will happily take three and a half points though. So give give me Washington State here. Uh and, and excited to see what they keep doing because they're on a mission, clearly. You know, Jake Dickard has yeah. has done a good job using what has happened to them, which is horrible, to light a fire under them. Yeah. And they get no Utah and no USC. So mm-hmm. um they're in a spot where you know if they pick up this win. They're looking at only two games the rest of the way. They're probably going to be underdogs in. Um, and they're both on the road. They're at Oregon and at Washington. But, uh, and, and they get Oregon between Washington and Utah, which is a good spot to get a team. Um, so I'm, I'm curious how this one goes. I think your point about talent, like the Cougars story is great, but they're not as talented as like nine other teams in the conference. Like that's sort right. of I think, a problem when you, when you go over a 12 game schedule. So I'm curious to find out. It'd be fun to watch. I mean, I'll be tuning to Pac-12 network, buddy. I, I'll be the only one uh, on the East coast watching this game, but I, 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 I still have it. I still have it on, an app it. on my phone and on yeah. my iPad. So I can, I can pull it up when I need to. All right. We, we go to our, our total. We talked about Iowa earlier in the show. I was a one and a half point favorite at Purdue. We don't have to worry about the spread in this one. We, we picked the total with Iowa. It's 39 and a half. Iowa did go over yeah. last, well, the Iowa game, the Iowa-Michigan State game. Iowa now with a different quarterback, uh, Kay McNamara, towards ACL is out for the season. Jeff, Deacon Hill, 6'3", 260. This is a big dude playing QB. Yeah, so I uh, I think it's 38 and a half now. <laughs> the number. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll check as, as we've been Let's talking. Make sure I, it I hasn't see, moved since I we see, started talking. I but, see right yeah. here it says 38 and a half. Um, yeah, I just I just bet the under. I, I don't, and I just this is the one time in life I like to root for bad football. Like I want to see the funniest thing happen on offense in these games. Um, and the funniest thing to happen again is to score zero points. Like the, the, the continued um, ineptitude on offense. Uh, I I kind of cheer for it now. Yeah. Right, like you have to cheer for it. Yeah, it's it's a it's 39, 39 38. Um, you, you got to cheer for it. Like you just have to because it's it, the idea that their coach just needs to get 
to, to 25 points a game to get a bonus is ridiculous. I'm, it's I'm, not to get a bonus. It's to keep his contract from terminating. Like his contract well, I, I, wait, I thought terminates it was a if they don't. <laughs> no, there's no way they're going to fire him, right? He's the coach's son. Well, that's the thing. And, and I, we talked to Tom Cakert about this on yesterday's show. Uh, he, he's the publisher of Hawkeye Report. And basically he's like, yes, the contract terminates. That doesn't mean they can't just give him another contract with a lower, you know, lower pay or some other situation, a shorter deal, like a one year less pay kind of situation. So it's not loser leaves town necessarily. It doesn't mean you get fired, but it does mean you probably get a, a shorter term deal for less pay. But incredible. If they keep winning, and like you said earlier, if they make it in Indianapolis, which by the way, highly possible. If they win this game, which they should, I still I can't believe they're only a one and a half point favorite in this game because Purdue's not good. Purdue beat Illinois, which is also not good. Yeah. The, I think what people are looking at is when Ryan Walters was the Illinois defensive coordinator last year, he's now Purdue's head coach. He just destroyed Iowa's offense. Yeah. So he may do that again. He doesn't have Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph like he did last year. So that that maybe you don't have the horses to do that. And then maybe you get Cooper DeGene doing a little uh, little Travis Hunter playing a little offense too. So in, tar in targeted spots, I think players can do that. I just the Travis Hunter thing is so unique because um, you know, there's no no player that I can recall, even guys like Chant Bailey, who played a lot on offense, never played the usage that, that Travis right, Hunter didn't has. play fully on offense. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and that's that's the difference. And and remember, Travis Hunter did get hurt playing offense. So yeah. I do wonder if they scale that back when he comes back from the, the lacerated liver. But I so I just checked our, our sponsor FanDuel here. Uh, as we speak, it is still 39 and a half. Okay, FanDuel. good. All right. So there I will go. take it. I will take the 39 point, and a half. The half point <laughs> under, is important, under, man. Under. <laughs> it's important. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just, it's one of those things where I don't know if Purdue can score at all on Iowa. The, Michigan State did score a little bit on him, which I was not expecting, but. Mm. I don't, I don't, I don't know that Purdue is going to score at all. Let, let's go to another game that is a uh, that's got a pretty low total, and and actually this is one the total has dropped, I believe three points since it came out on Sunday. It'll probably have dropped more by the time you listen to this episode. Alabama at Texas A and M. Yeah, Alabama's a two and a half point favorite on the road. The total at the moment is forty seven and a half. I tend to agree with the people hammering the under on this thing that this is going to be a fairly low scoring affair. Yeah, I, I tend to agree that that uh, with that as well. But also, when that happens, I tend to take the points. Right? If I'm if I'm picking a side here, if it's, if it's a low scoring game, I'd go gobble a two and a half here. We'll be right back with more picks. But first, let me tell you about Roback. They've got something new. That's right. It's the performance crew. You've heard me talk about the performance hoodies, the polos, the Q-zips, the joggers, and the shorts. Well, I've got this performance crew. It might be better than my performance hoodie. I don't know. I'm going to I have to trade them off and see how I feel about that. But this is perfect for when the weather just starts to cool down. Isn't quite cold yet. This is your perfect fall shirt. Roback has done it again. So... Go to Roback.com, use the promo code STAPLES to get 20% off your first order. Whether you need your hoodies or your Q-zips for a little bit cooler weather, whether you need the crew, 
for the perfect fall shirt, whether you need the polos because it's still warmer you are. Well, I, I'm in Florida. I still need my polos. Got plenty of those too. Go to Roback.com. Promo code STAPLES, 20% off your first order for the most comfortable gear you can find. You know, Andy, Alabama in the offensive and defensive lines is not what they used to be. Right? right. And that's one place where AM is excelling right now, right? Especially on the defensive line. And so we've seen Alabama struggle this season when playing a defensive line, really Texas, that, that was really able to get their quarterbacks off their spot, get the offensive linemen to make some mistakes in the run game. And you have an AM offensive line, excuse me, defensive line, they can do that in this game, right? Like they're able to to to, to make this to, to be the difference makers in this game. I think that really tips the scales to me for AM to, to cover and win this game. And again, I mean, betting against Nick Saban is typically bad money. Um, but I, I think AM has the important pieces in place to beat a team like Alabama. Well, this is amazing to me because two weeks ago we were talking about how Alabama's dead. We still weren't sure about AM because they were coming off that loss to Miami. Yeah. The winner of this game is in the driver's seat in the SEC West. I would not be shocked if whoever wins this game wins the SEC West. Yeah. And I I don't have a strong feeling about who's going to win this game. I, I agree with everything you said about AM's defensive line against Alabama's offensive line, potentially causing Milrow to make some mistakes, which is what he did in the Texas game. There were two critical mistakes that if he doesn't make those, that game is pretty much a deadlock. So the part I want to want to see is can Alabama disrupt Max Johnson? Can he, can they cause him to make some mistakes? Because that'll make a difference with AM, AM's defense. The big questions out of the Miami game were, can they get pressure? Can they tackle? It may be that Miami's offensive line was just good. And that's why they couldn't get pressure because they certainly <laughs> seem to be able to get pressure against Auburn. They certainly seem to be able yeah. to do it against yeah. Arkansas. Um, that brings up some something fun that I've I've been talking about the last couple of weeks. So we have three second year coaches, Mara mm -hmm. Cristobal, Dan Landing, and Brett Venables. And they have proven track records. Now, of course, Dan Landing has not done as long as the other coaches have, but you know, Dan Landing was was at Georgia with a really good defense that he controlled. I know Kirby had say in that, but it was his defense. Yeah, Dan Landing called the plays. Yeah. yeah. Brett Venables, obviously, for so many years at Clemson. And then Mario with offensive line sort of building up in the trenches, what he did at Oregon. And after one year when it didn't go so well on defense for, for Oregon, Oklahoma, and then Miami on offense and on defense as well, like on the lines, everyone's like, no, those guys can't do it anymore. I don't trust. It's like, give them a year. Give them a year. And look what Miami's done. They brought in a bunch of good football players in the offensive defensive lines, and they're much better. Look at Oregon defensively. Dan Lanning brought his whole new secondary in. Guess what? They're so much better. Their best linebacker hasn't even played yet this season. Look at Brent Venables, Oklahoma. Give them one. Andy. People wouldn't give them one season. And I'm not surprised that Miami, it was one of my favorite win totals this year. It was seven and a half. I hammered the over. I'm like, guys, I watched this at Oregon. I watched Mario year two win the Rose Bowl at Oregon. Like, just give him his own guys. And it's so funny to me how we just can't give patience anymore. One year and all of a sudden, and it wasn't like Oklahoma was, I know they had a year they didn't really want to have, but you know, it wasn't like Oregon was terrible last year or Miami was, I know, again, wasn't the best season. But like, I get some frustration being there. But, like, they figured it out. What a surprise. Mario knows how to recruit offensive defensive linemen. I'm, I'm shocked, right? Yep. Brett Venables knows how to call defense. What a surprise, right? I mean, they, they, and Dan well, Lane and, and knows actually, what he's doing. 
that's it's interesting because this feeds into Texas A&M a little bit here too because remember they signed that great recruiting class in 2022 they go five and seven and it was like oh they're you know it's over that recruiting class was a bust blah, blah. no they're actually still incredibly talented and now those guys aren't freshmen anymore yes it just, and, but A&M is different I think there were so many years we kept hearing right about them being back and we'll talk about Texas Oklahoma I would imagine Sa- same thing right yes. like we're back we're back we're back and then when you're not then of course you know you you uh you get hammered for, it. but I, I think A and M to this weekend. You know, I hate picking against uh, against Bama, but I think I think A and M takes this one, and then we get a you know kind of a are they back uh, sort of sort of discussion, or are they really yeah. ever where they want to be? A and M is interesting, man. They they have you know you would think that they have won ten games over multiple seasons, like in the last 15, 20 years. It's just not true. I, I no. I'm kind of shocked at. I guess Texas is sort, but Texas has had better seasons. We talk about Texas and A and M like you're like, like guys, like the winning is not backed up by the hype each year. Well, it's because with Texas A and M especially, all of the pieces are there. Yeah. They have the location, the resources, the fan passion, the you name it, the the talent, and they never put it together. But it feels like they might be able to now. The problem is. You have to do something like beat Alabama to to get yeah, there. But, but that's college football. You got to be good teams to be good teams. And so I, I it feels like A and M is might be on the precipice of that happening on Saturday. I am still going to take Alabama. I'm going to go down with this ship if okay. I, if, if it's going down. Because here here's what's going to happen: either Alabama is going to win this game, go in the West, potentially win the SEC and make the playoff, or they're going to lose it and somebody else takes the mantle. Yeah. And maybe that's A and M because A at that point would be the favorite, I think, in the SEC West. Because remember, their only loss is to an ACC team. And yeah. watching LSU doesn't give you a ton of confidence. They've already beaten Auburn and Arkansas. They're going to beat Mississippi State. You know, they got to go to Tennessee. That's going to be tough. But I just, if they can win this one and have this in their back pocket, they got a good shot of winning the West. But I still, I'm not ready to see Nick Saban handed over quite yet. I don't know that, that that's ready to happen yet. So I'm going to take Alabama. I could be hilariously wrong, but I'm going to take the Crimson Tide in this one. All right, let's uh, let's go back to the uh, the conference that you talk about mm. on Pac-12 Radio on Sirius XM very, very frequently. Colorado at Arizona State. Yeah. We, we move into an interesting point in the Buffaloes' schedule. So the first three games were... Holy crap, Deion Sanders is a is a is a power five college football coach. Let's see what he does. The next two were this is Colorado playing established powers that are much better than them. Now they move into the portion of the schedule where they're playing conference games against mm. teams that they should be competitive against. Arizona State is a four and a half point underdog at home. Buffalo is supposed to go in there and beat them. How do we feel about this after Colorado USC? Yeah, so um, pretty interesting game here. Mostly from the Arizona State side, not really from the Colorado side, in, in, in my opinion. Um, Arizona State's one in four, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they won their first game against Southern Utah barely, and they've lost, um, you know, just from, some low scoring games. And that the Oklahoma State loss looks worse and worse yeah, the more Oklahoma it does. State plays. But, you know, they've had such turnover quarterback um, with all the injuries they've had. They started, you know, they started Jaden Rashada and then Drew Pine played, then Trent Borgay started last weekend. But Kenny Dillingham has taken over the offense the last two weeks, and it's been much better. It's been much, much better. 
Um, you know, 20 against USC, 21 in a loss to Cal last weekend. Um, you know, Colorado's defense is just not good. Like I, I, I don't know if, but I, but I don't trust Arizona state to, to just play well on offense. I, I kind of just don't yet. Andy, like right. I, I have to sort of see is, is it's Borg. I think it's Borg, excuse me, Borgay again, I think this weekend, um, they just don't have a lot of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, but low key, they've been pretty good on defense for kind of what we thought they were going to be this year. If they're not, they're not a great defense, but they're okay. They're better than we thought. And my only, my, I guess my last thought, my only thought, my last thought is, you know, call this is a big come down for Colorado, right? Right. You go from playing basically five straight weeks in prime time with, I think four of the five weeks you had, or every week you had some sort of pregame show there, right? You had, uh, you had you know, game day or, or big new kickoff. Yeah. How are you going on the road? You're playing a three thirty kickoff in Arizona. Are they Pacific time? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Pac-12 network. It's Pac-12 network. Three thirty yeah. kickoff because the time change hasn't happened yet. So it's three thirty local time. It's yeah. going to be a little bit warm. It's going to be, again, a bring your own energy type of game. Um, it's, I'm 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 staying away. From, I'm not wagering on this game. I'm staying away. Just kind of staying away from this game. Um, but it is. There's a lot of things that I'm kind of very curious to see about both these teams uh, when they play each other on Saturday. Yeah, I I feel like if you were defending Arizona State, just have somebody tackle Cam Scadabo every play. Yeah, Colorado, you, might, you, you might limit what they can oh, do. It, it, by the way, I looked it up. It's supposed to be 98 on Saturday, so you're playing 98 Ooh. degrees. In Phoenix on Saturday, I played a, a twelve thirty kickoff there before in September. Oh, um, we won like forty nine to seven or something. I mean, we, we kicked their butt, but it's very toasty. Um, they have they have metal bleachers there. The sun reflects uh, quite oh. uh, quite ferociously. I don't, they, they've redone their stadium since then, but yeah, I don't I don't have a feel for this game. I really um, the total sixty and a half. I mean, I guess over would be my if I had to take a wager on this game. That's where yeah. I would go. But I don't feel great about anything in this one. I think Colorado is going to go in there and, and cover. And what I'm interested in is seeing these next few weeks for Colorado, because if they just handle business and they, they come out of this stretch with five wins. Yeah. I mean, if, if you'd have told me before the season started, they would have five wins on the season. I would shocked. say that's yeah. a great year for them. Absolutely. Oh, five yeah. and two. That's a really great yeah. year. For them. So it's Arizona State, Stanford, and then the bulk of their schedule gets tougher, right? At UCLA right. off a of bye, um, they host the Beavers. They go to they host Arizona, and then it's at Washington State at Utah. I mean, they might lose gonna, all of those games. They're gonna Arizona you got a quarterback is you know we'll see what, what they do there, but yeah, I mean, there's a chance that they go bowling this year, which I think no one thought would be possible. Yeah, yeah. I if Dion takes them to a bowl game this year. I'm looking at them as potentially a contender in the Big 12 next year because I know he's going to upgrade the roster again. The only thing I'll push back on is that he has got to recruit high school offensive defense alignment. Yes, which um, he's doing. He's trying to flip guys from Alabama. He's yeah, trying to but, flip guys but, from USC. Sure. I mean, you get 10% of players flip. Like it's yeah. that that's that's like that's one guy, right? Who's trying to get me? Oregon's trying to flip guys too. Like you, you get one flip, and you're you're excited, right? I mean, you got to really go and and there's not this year has players on the West Coast in Arizona yeah. and in Southern California and Washington um, that are high level off defense alignment, and you got to get those guys. And 
unfortunately, uh, Georgia and Texas take all of them away from us. Uh, they, so. they do. And that, that is the problem is Ugh. they're a limited resource. And Texas is the one school that's actually been able to get into that game where they're getting kind of ready-made offensive linemen and they weren't before. But it was just really Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State were getting those guys. So upsetting. So or, well, Oregon was getting him, and Mario yeah, was but, getting him out but, Miami. Yeah, but Calvin Banks was supposed to be a duck, and he's now anchoring uh, the Texas offensive line. It's upsetting. Yes, Kel and Calvin Banks is going to be a first-round draft pick in 2025. He will be the first offensive tackle taken in 2025. That is correct. Yeah, yeah it is. It, it's interesting just how how much they've gotten better on both lines of scrimmage. We'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about Texas in a minute, but I'm I'm going to take Colorado to cover there. Okay. Speaking of good line play. Speaking of teams that just want to line it up and run it down your throat, Athens, Georgia on Saturday night, Kentucky coming off, yeah. running for a billion yards against Florida. They'll be playing a Georgia team that barely escaped Auburn. Georgia is a 14 and a half point favorite in this game. The total is 48 and a half. Jeff, this is like this feels points. like the best remaining team on Georgia's schedule, unless Tennessee, you know, keeps clicking yeah. and and that game's tough because it's in Knoxville. But if Georgia gets past this one, I don't know who can who can stop them. But I, I do feel like we're due for Georgia just playing a complete game at some point. But haven't we said that for a couple of weeks now? Like I yeah. Maybe that's not who they are this year. Well they're not as good as they were last year. And yeah, I think it's unfair of us to hold them to the standard of being as good as they were last year. When you think about all they lost, and, and it's what's what's compounding this is they lost so much in 2021, yet they still replenished it in 2022 and might have even been better. Like to do that three years in a row is impossible. Yes. It's just not gonna happen. I mean, and I was thinking about the 2021 defensive line that had Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis and Trevon Walker and Jalen Carter all playing at the same time. I don't know if they ever played together at one time because of the way the rotation works. Yeah. But that's essentially like playing an above average NFL defensive line with a regular college offensive line. You have no chance. Correct. That's why I think we've seen a little bit of, of regression at Georgia. They've lost talent, but also the quarterback's just not as good either, right? And we keep waiting for this moment where they just become Georgia again, Andy. It's we played five games now. This this feels like this is what Georgia's going to be, right? Yep. They're gonna they're gonna still try to beat you up in the trenches, um, throw the ball to nineteen, and hope he makes a bunch of plays for you. And and so you have a Kentucky team that wants to match that style, right? They want to run the football. We saw last weekend, uh, fourteen and a half points feels like way too many to me. Um, but I will say if 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 Kentucky comes out early and can't run the ball, and Georgia scores pretty quickly on them. And Kentucky gets out of their game plan, then I think Georgia can can sort of have a lot of success if Kentucky sort of stops trying to run the football and be plus tries to be something they're not an offense. Yeah, and that that I think is the the key is make Devin Leary beat you with his arm, make make those receivers catch the ball. Devin Leary actually didn't have a bad game against Florida, even though the stats don't look that great. He, there were a bunch of drops that yeah that that killed them. But they did. It didn't matter because Ray Davis was unstoppable in that game. It was, and, it was the, incredible, man. And the Kentucky line was just battering Florida's D line. But I do wonder if against a team that tries to be more like them, Georgia has a bigger advantage because yeah. 
What is Georgia but a better version of what Kentucky wants to be? Oh, no, you're right. I think that's the point about I was trying to make is like if Georgia's able to shut them down, then what they, you know, are they going to hold Georgia to, you know, to 24 points, 27 points? And they're going to, you know, I just, it, 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 it has a possibility of getting a little bit out of hand. I would still take Kentucky in the points here. I don't have a great feel for this one. Um, but you're right about, I mean, there, there is a, a chance that this does get to be a Georgia wins this game by 35. And we are like, no, oh, Georgia's back. Here we go. Let's go. Or, although I could see Georgia dominating this game and winning by 13. Covers. That's that's the problem I have picking this game is it, it feels like it. I, I don't have that was how that was, that was Georgia, Tennessee last year, right? They won by 14, but just like kicked their ass. It didn't even yes, it felt like 45. Yeah, exactly. So that's the part I, I can't figure out is because if it, I don't have a good feeling about Kentucky winning the game, but I don't really know where the final falls. Yeah. So I'm gonna. This okay. This will be the last time I do it, unless it happens. Then I'll do it again. I am going to say that Georgia finally has a fast start, mm-hmm. comes out of the gate smoking, and plays four quarters the same way. So I'll take Georgia to cover, and I will never do it again if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> last time, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. Done with it if they don't, because this is this is. Too many times they have they've caught me. Yeah. We didn't I don't think we no, we picked Georgia Auburn last week and I, I picked them to cover and they they didn't because they're just that's maybe not who they are, but yeah. I keep thinking that they'll eventually round into form and then they're just gonna blow somebody's doors off. This better be the week or I'm I'm it's out. Possible. It's really <laughs> yeah. possible, yeah. All right. Now we go to Louisville. We had Jeff Brom on the show yesterday. He's he's all excited. They're five and zero. I think he understands the challenge of Notre Dame coming in. Uh, Notre Dame is a six and a half point favorite on the road at night again. Jeff, I, I want to ask you about this because I, I think you know, having played in the NFL, you you can speak to this better than anybody. After you've played two very physical games, wire to wire, where you're battered, is it possible? to be as good three weeks in a row after you've been beaten up like that? In the NFL, yes. I think, I mean, that's our job, right? I mean, it's, yeah. that's, you're just, but in college football, this feels like a, a bad spot for Notre Dame to be in. I mean, you play two games now to the final play of the game, and and they have just been, like, as you mentioned, like just physical, knock them out, drag fights, like just brawls, and now you go on the road again. You're on primetime again. Against, again, you're getting every... You, you're getting everyone's best shot, right? You that's your Notre Dame, you get everyone's best shot. And they host USC next weekend, the weekend after, I should say. Look ahead, 14. right there. Yep. So that this feels like a Louisville plus six and a half or no wager spot, like a thousand percent. This is what I would do here. Yeah, that's what I I think I'm gonna take Louisville to cover here because I don't think Louisville's as good as Notre Dame by any stretch, but I think they may be able to get them I not even just cover, I think they may be able to win outright just because like you just said, Notre Dame has been battered the past two weeks. Yeah. Those are emotionally draining games. I mean, if you that that video that Notre Dame put out where they had the the coordinator and assistance headset audio on the last drive. That was so cool, dude. It oh my so, god, it was that, awesome. It was so Andy, fun to hear. The best thing about what Notre Dame did was they gave fans an inside perspective without sharing any inside information. Right. So 
all of us got to hear the coaches talk and they didn't say anything. They're like, Oh, should, should we go for two? Should we have a play? I was like figuring they were going to say like at some point, like, cause they specifically talked about, okay, if we have to go for two. What's our play going to be? Someone answered, they're going to be in zone. And I figured they'd say, okay, let's run, you know, blah, 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 yeah. play. And like, we didn't get any of that, but it was super cool. I actually have never been on a headset before. I don't know if you've ever been on a headset before. Uh-uh. I've had the quarterback comms in before, which is the, you know, the coach calling to the uh, yep. quarterback. So I've never heard coaches talk on a thing. And I, I sort of talk like I thought they would. I, I don't. I, I didn't know like what to expect. They're just like having open conversations. They're just talking through situations, talking through what what they're doing next. And and I I'd always assume the head coach makes the final say in sort of a lot of these decisions, like run pass in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And it confirmed because Marcus Freeman was the one deciding what they were doing, what the general plan was on. Yeah, all like when when they go for it, and or or you know. If it's their, if they're saying should we run it here should we and, he, and it's usually like a one word thing like you, you you heard that it was just he, he just says one word yes I'm confirming this no don't do this yeah and, but it, it was it was amazing to watch and yeah well, they're they're kind of at midfield they're already talking about what what they might run as a two point play which I found very and then Super fourth cool. down we don't know exactly what was said because they're they're you know, selective about what they gave us but I'm guessing it got pretty quiet when they snapped the fourth down play, like, well, oh, we've yeah. done all we can. <laughs> oh yeah. There was, yeah. It was just like, Oh, here we go. Um, you know, God, Duke just, you had, you had brought pressure all night. You got after Sam Hartman all night. And in the final play of the game, you run, you drop a in the coverage. It's just, dude, it's, it, it blows my mind, man. Whew. Like, well, and that's what I want. Ron English at, at Louisville, very experienced defensive coach. He's been around the block. I'm sure he watched that. I imagine that they're going to try to heat up Sam Hartman pretty good and, and see what they can do that. They're not as talented, obviously yeah, as, as Duke on defense or as Ohio state on defense, but they, they do have some decent players. And, you know, I, Jack Plummer, I thought did a really good job with NC state's pressure yeah. last week there, yes. you know, Jeff Brom said he could have called a better game to help Jack with that. But Notre Dame is not going to do the show you this one look and we're either bringing three or bringing eight. It's not, that's not Notre Dame style. So for Jack Plummer, it should be a little bit easier in terms of I'm not going to have five guys in my face potentially on this play. So I will see it, but I, I think, I think what you said, the beaten up factor plus the look ahead fact, they didn't play USC next week. I might feel differently. Yeah, this is this is a this is a tough spot for Notre Dame. So I'm going to take Louisville to cover. All right, let us move back into uh, into the Conference of Champions one more time. Arizona at USC. USC a 21 and a half point favorite again. That's what they were against Colorado. <laughs> that defense, that USC defense. I don't know. I this is you know Arizona has talented receivers. USC should know they took they took one of them this yeah. offseason. Who really who really hasn't done very much at USC? It's kind of surprising. But but Arizona's still got a couple very good receivers. And then I thought Fafita did a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. Um he did a good job. I, I think he'll probably play again this weekend. The thing about what I think if I'm right on this, they did not turn the ball over, I want to mm-hmm. say, in the game, which is Jane Dolores, yeah. which is Jane Dolores probably turns the ball over too much. Um and if you just don't turn the ball over, you give yourself opportunity to be in every game. And so I think Fafita, with the connection with, with T-Mac and whatnot, his, his college, his high school teammate, 
Arizona's offense is, is kind of fascinating because um, they're 17th in yards per drive and 59th in points per drive. But the, 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 they're not converting into touchdowns. And now if they do that against USC, they're going to over is going to hit. I mean, the over is hitting like 70% looking around the games yeah. anyways. Um, and, but they're not going to stop USC either. Like it's just going to be, you know, USC is going to win this game. They'll say they won every game. It's going to be 45, 31. Same, I think that's what the score was even last season um, or a couple seasons ago. Like, that's just what it's, what it's going to be in this game. I just struggle with this one because this is one of those, it feels like you should just take Arizona with the points and then that'll be the one week USC's defense shows up and intercepts three passes and they win by 40. Like I, I just, yeah, that's I not don't, what, it's not what USC's defense is right now. And and I, you know, they don't have the turnover luck they had last season, which we talked about all heading into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona's offensive line, by the way, has some dudes like they, they can probably block this, this USC front better than Colorado can. It's just going to feed it. Like if he's, if he's good, he's his first road start. I know he played a little bit at Stanford a couple weeks ago. Um, it's uh I'm dude, I'm 0-3 on betting USC games. I'm just not gonna do it. I'm just staying away. But that's fine. I, I will take Arizona to cover here because I I I think you're right. The USC defense is what it is. And Arizona, you know, having played Washington as close as they did, they're not gonna come in there scared. Yeah, and I, I don't know how many people will be the call scene for this game as well. Um yeah, is it like, like a doctor's like playoff game that night or something? Who knows? Um so I, uh, yeah, I'm just not as certain in, in this game as I've been in other Pac-12 games. All right, let's go back to the the noon window for the biggest game of the week: oh, Red yeah. River, Oklahoma, Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Fried, fried everything all around. All right, before I we get to the game itself, deep fried Snickers, deep fried Twinkie, or deep fried Oreo, your choice. So I've only had a deep fried Oreo before, and it's incredibly delicious. Um, Went to Minnesota State Fair when I played for the Vikings, and they just everything's fried. Oh god, it was so good. Um, I'm not the biggest Twinkie guy, even though fried Twinkie could be interesting. Um, what was the other option? Fried, fried Snickers bar. Yeah, I, I'm no. Uh, the, the Oreo would be. I think the Oreo would be my choice. The Oreo is very good. The correct answer is deep fried Snickers, but it is. It's close. I'm it's not. Close. A, I'm not a peanut butter person, so the Snickers oh, okay. is not like my favorite thing in the world. I mean, I'll, gotcha. I'm not gonna. I'll eat it if given to me, but <laughs> I'm not like. I'm not going after that very often. Yeah, you definitely. You definitely like the Oreo better. The texture on the Oreo is really good. The but the texture on the Snickers is good. The Twinkie gets ruined by the texture. Like, I don't. I don't really like Twinkies very much either, and the frying frying it doesn't really do much to it. But the question is. Who's getting fried in this game? Because these two teams are both better than the teams that played in this game last year. Now, obviously, yeah. Oklahoma can't be any worse because they didn't have a quarterback ready to play. Dylan Gabriel was was hurt with a concussion. It, this wasn't even a game last year. So it, it's almost like we should pretend that didn't happen. Yes. Dylan Gabriel is playing very well this year. Oklahoma's like you mentioned Brent Venables earlier and said, you know, give him a year and the defense will look better. Yeah. And sure enough, it does. Yeah, I think Texas is really good, though. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's the which, problem. Which is sort of the hard part of handicapping the game. I mean, I, I think that I would sort of lean towards Oklahoma and the points in this game. I think if I were to – I'm not wagering on, on this game at all. Um, but, you know, Texas – if I were to put money on a team right now to win a championship – 
Oh, God, I can't believe I'm going to say Texas. I can't do that. There's no way, Andy. I can't actually say that out loud. I just think they're really good. And, but, Jeff, they, they are. And, I mean, and, and they're good where it matters. They're good the, up front. The, they're good in the offensive defensive lines. That's that's where it matters. Um, and, you know, Sark got that job and immediately went to getting better players in the trenches. Um, it's worth noting um, this is the fifth time Texas has been a favorite in this rivalry. Mm-hmm. since 2005. They've won and covered all the three zero and one, but they've won all the wow. games. They've been a favorite in the last uh, last five times. Excuse me, four times. This is the fifth time they've been a favorite. I think they're really good. I mean, it, it doesn't come down to like if Quinn Ewers can just sort of not make a bunch of mistakes, right? Yes. Like if he can, if he consistent, they're going to win going away. In my opinion, one other thing, I was looking at the kind of the numbers of this game and the stats of this game. So I'm a big believer in explosive plays. And call it in a in a because I think it's important to be able to uh like to just generate those type of explosive plays um against good defense. It's it's hard to drive the field 10, 12, 14 play drives in college football to score points. It's just hard. They're college kids, they they commit a penalty, they fumble the ball, they throw a bad pass. It's just hard to do. Oklahoma has not been terribly great at like explosive rushing plays. Right, and if you get and into that's a, been the, what's missing, really. yeah, and, and if you get into a game against Texas where um, you can't run the ball and you become one-dimensional, that's a problem. They're also their defense doesn't really hit anybody either. They they don't really generate a lot of pressure it, with with the front four. So there's a couple of things I think Texas has better than Oklahoma in this game. Yeah, the the one interesting thing, uh, Jatavian Sanders is day to day. The Texas tight end, I think he's the best skill position player on the field if he's playing. So. That you add him into the mix, I, I don't. I, I th- I'm going to take Texas to cover in this game. I, I do for the same reasons we just talked about. It feels like they're better on both lines of scrimmage, and they've actually been tested on both lines of scrimmage. Like they played Alabama, we saw them against fellow five-star recruit, future NFL type players, and they handled that very well. So I, I just. I look at Oklahoma, you know, you go, go back to the Cincinnati game where they're playing Dante Corleone, who's an NFL defensive tackle for sure. Yeah. But Texas will rotate three of those guys in there. So uh, go back to or, or something Dan Lanning told me this offseason. It, it applies to Texas. It applies to other schools. He wants his defensive lineman playing 40 snaps. That's it in a game. Yeah. Like the most. And if you watch Oregon play, Georgia play, Texas play – it's not just the one deep, it's mm-hmm. the two deep, right? Yeah. It, it's being able to, to take a starter out and put someone in who's not going to lose you the rep. They might not yep. be as good, but they won't lose you the rep, right? They, they won't cause a, a massive, you know, a gap in a rush in, in you know, a, a, against the run. They won't rush out their lane in, you know, in the, in, in, in the pass game. And Texas is able to roll those guys in. Oklahoma, for the most part, is able to roll like that. That's when you look at your favorite team. And think, do we have a defense that can last a season? It's not about your front four. It's about your front eight and your front yep. 12. And can you rotate those guys in throughout a game to remain fresh? Well, in Texas, they can actually throw change-ups at you because you could be playing Tavondre Sweat, one play, who's 360 pounds, who is incredibly powerful. And then they bring in Alfred Collins, who is super long and quick and a different kind of challenge. Both those guys are are probably, you know, maybe round two, round three NFL yeah. draft picks. So 
it, that's that's another problem. But you're right; they can absolutely roll those guys in and out, which is not something Texas could really do before. Like Texas did not have multiple NFL players that they could roll in and out on the D line since you know since they were playing for national championships last. That's there's no surprise, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we try to make it more complicated than it is sometimes, but that's that's really what it is. Yeah, it, it's not that hard sometimes. Um, and we just talked about all these teams this week. And what we highlight a lot of our picks, offensive defensive line. Mm -hmm. it's, yep. just, it's not hard sometimes. Yeah, it's almost like the team with the best big people wins. But yeah, that works. That, that, that's the way I handicap a lot of games. It seems to go well for me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I love it. We gotta we gotta talk again soon. Actually, I believe I'm doing your radio show very soon, so I will oh, be okay. uh, uh, joining great. you on on SiriusX Impact 12 Radio. So. Just just uh, one last thing. Oregon's gonna beat Washington in two weeks. I just want to make. Oh sure yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, I, I the floor is yours. I, yeah. I want to give you a, a chance to explain that. Uh, obviously, you're an Oregon grad. You're biased. But well, why do you know. think I mean, the Ducks will beat the Huskies? They're better on defense. It's not very difficult. Go back to last year, right? People like to have this re revisionist history. Oregon was up seven points in the fourth quarter before the quarterback got hurt and our offense just shut down. Like we were winning the game. We were, we were, Andy, do people realize this? They watched the game. We were winning that football yes. game. We had more yards. Like we were better. We, they, we were better. Quarterback gets hurt. Offense goes to shit. And we lose the game. Um, more importantly, Oregon is much better on defense. Like it's, it's remarkable. They're going to play man coverage, man coverage on Washington and say, beat us, beat us. Beat us. We're gonna blitz Michael Penix. We're gonna hit Michael Penix, and and we might lose. We might give up forty eight points. And fucking the man coverage do not work. But we're playing man coverage. Have you watched us this season? Um, we played four power four. Um, was it four power five teams? No, we played four yeah, not uh, FBS teams. Yeah, yeah. And we've had a, we've allowed a negative passing EPA in all four of those games. We thought we 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 joked about this on Twitter. Um, Oregon's good on defense. Good. And, and the goal of your defense in the Pac-12 this year is not to be Georgia. It's to get four stops. Four. I, I looked at last season. Oregon got two stops. They forced a punt and an interception. And Washington scored 37 points. They, they forced some field goals. It's getting three stops, Andy. Maybe four. That's it. I'm not asking for us to hold them to zero points. But if we, if we give up 31 points, I feel good we're going to win the game. I know it sounds silly to say such a thing like that. But like... I think our defense is just better than theirs. And that's a huge part of, of being able to win this conference this year. Um, we, we roll, we roll deep on defense. We've got three, three true freshmen that rush the passer on a consistent basis for us. Um, good spot to be in. Look at that. We got picks for this week and a bonus pick for next week. Jeff Schwartz. Thank you so much. You're welcome, buddy. Take care. Today's extra point. Uh, not a happy story. News out of LSU. Greg Brooks suffering from a rare form of brain cancer. So Greg Brooks is a DB at LSU. He had to go in for emergency brain surgery a few weeks ago. They found a tumor and the pathology has come back and it is found to be medulloblastoma, which is a rare form of brain cancer. And according to his doctors, it's going to be a long road to recovery. The, the, the part of the brain where they had to work in affects speech and motion. So he's going to have a lot of rehab to go through. They said, fortunately, they did not find any evidence that, that there was any other cancer in his brain, but that's, there's still going to be more treatment. 
and he has a lot of work to do and his family's going to have to help him through that. And so the Tiger Athletic Fund has set up the Greg Brooks Victory Fund. So if you want to donate to help the family deal with this, this medical, it's going to be a journey is the word they used. And so just keep Greg Brooks and his family in your thoughts. This is a, a just incredibly tough news to get for a young man. And, and I can't even imagine what his parents are going through dealing with this. So uh, th be thinking about Greg Brooks and, uh, and say a prayer for him and just hope, hope it's going to turn out okay for him. And I know that LSU crowd, the LSU community is going to rally around him and, and do everything they can to help. So that's just tough news out of Baton Rouge. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be back on Thursday. We've got Texas offensive tackle Christian Jones. We had Tavondre Sweat a couple weeks ago, defensive tackle. We moved to the offensive line for the Longhorns. Another big reason why they are favored in this Oklahoma game and why we think this particular Texas team might be different. Christian is one of the big reasons why. We'll have him. We'll get you ready for all the big games. Talk to you tomorrow.